Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Good morning. Welcome to this first episode of the Morning Walk. I'm, uh, as the title would indicate, out for a morning walk right now here in beautiful Mount Angel, Oregon. And uh, I do say it's beautiful, although if you could see my surroundings right now, you might or might not agree with me. It's uh, a bit of a foggy, uh, damp morning. The rain is... <clears throat> falling steadily, not too hard, kind of that persistent drizzle that many people think of when they think of the state of Oregon. But you know, I, I just love, I love Oregon in this kind of weather. I love to be out in it. I've got my hood up like a good Oregonian, no uh, umbrella in sight. Got my scarf tied to keep warm. And um, it's just something, you know, the, the, the colors of the countryside come out so beautifully in the rain, I think. You can see all the different shades of green. You've got this, this beautiful, bright, almost yellow green of the moss on the branches. And uh, I'm walking alongside a fence right now on a gravel path on one side of this fence. On the other side is kind of the sheep pasture um, for the sheep, sheeps, which are shepherded by the monks of Mount Angel Abbey. And uh, so right on the other side right now, it is a bit more of like a forested, wooded area. Uh, and then it opens out into the pasture. And there's this fallen tree, which is leaning against the fence. And on the ends of all the branches, these little spindly twig uh, branch tips, at the end of each one is a single drop of water. Something about that is just, it just strikes me as really sublime. It's beautiful. Um, I'm thinking about Gerard Manley Hopkins has this notion of inscape, which you might or might not be familiar with. Hopkins is a Victorian, uh, Victorian area English poet. He wrote a series of poems, um, not really a series, they weren't intended as such, but you can say a collection of poems about, um, primarily about nature, but he was a Jesuit priest, and so sort of hard to classify. Some people have called him a Kind of a, a romantic, um, similar to Wordsworth, you know, Coleridge. But his poems are, are very different than those of Wordsworth and Coleridge because they're informed by this, uh, yeah, his own deep formation in the Christian mystery, right? In Christian life, the incarnation. So anyway, inscape. Hopkins has this notion of inscape that everything that is, uh, every created being, kind of deals out as he says in, in one poem, deals out that being indoors each one dwells. Itself <laughs> goes itself, myself it speaks and spells, crying, what I do is me, for that I came. Each mortal thing does one thing and the same. That's what Hopkins says. So I, I love that, you know, the notion of the, the indoors being, that being which dwells indoors, that every created thing kind of has that, and it deals it out by what it does. So we can know what a thing is by what it does, <laughs> by how it appears to us, how it, you know, how it makes itself known to us. This is kind of Hopkins' notion. And it's very much a Catholic notion. We find it also in scholastic philosophy, St. Thomas Aquinas, and rather brilliantly in Duns Scotus, John Duns Scotus, with his notion of hycatas, the thisness of things. So I've just kicked a pine cone as I'm walking along, making my way down the hill from Mount Angel 
Abbey into the town of Mount Angel. And uh, for Dunscotus, as for Hopkins, that pine cone has its own hikitas, its its pine coneness, right? And not just not just the pine coneness it shares with every other pine cone, but a particular thisness, which which marks it out, individuates it as this particular pine cone. And uh, it deals that being out by, well, maybe a pine cone is not the best example because it's not an actor; it doesn't act per se. So forget about the pine cone and think about. Now, one of these little birds dwelling up in the heights of the trees, the bird deals at its being by singing its song and the way that it swoops and dives. Uh, or imagine a hawk. You know, a hawk will flap its wings once and then glide on on the current for quite a long time. Uh, I suppose I'm just rambling, but... I do think Oregon has a kind of an inscape which is dealt out by virtue of being wet. <laughs> there are all these beautiful colors and they come out so so marvelously uh, in the rain. Oregon is a country that's uniquely made for rain, I think. But it's interesting how that, um, you know, I'm out walking in it right now. I just love it. I love the smell of it. I love the sound of the rain falling on the ground bouncing against the, the hood that I have over my head, this persistent kind of pitter-patter. But uh, we have brothers in the seminary, especially from California and the Southwest, and they just, just dampens their spirits. <laughs> I was talking to one the other day from Arizona. He said, the rain started falling again. I said, yep, it'll be with us until April. <laughs> he just looked at me and said, I know. I know that already. He was not he was not excited by the possibility. <laughs> anyway, this is the first episode of this podcast, The Morning Walk, and um perhaps I owe it to you to give you a bit of an introduction and explanation as to why I'm out walking in the rain talking apparently to myself about poetry. <laughs> the reason is this, um you know, there's a priest, um, his name is Father Roderick van Hogen from the Netherlands. And ever since I joined the church, which is about seven years ago now, thanks be to God, I've been listening to his podcasts with a greater or lesser frequency, different seasons of life, but always very much enjoying his, his style. And so he, he does a variety of shows. Some are about kind of pop culture. He does one called like The Secrets of Star Wars. Um, it's got one I've been listening to recently called How to Live Like a Hobbit, which is just great. It's marvelous. And uh, this, this is part of his apostolate. You know, he's a parish priest, diocesan priest in the Diocese of Utrecht in the Netherlands, Holland. But he considers this podcast network to be part of his apostolate. It's how he, he reaches out you know, to, the, to the culture, to meet the people, to engage with them on a on a level that they're willing to engage at, you know? So he, he creates this podcast about Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or what have you. <clears throat> variety of different topics. Excuse me. <coughs> I'll edit that out in post-production. About a variety of different topics. And uh, as he's speaking about them, naturally he's communicating his kind of the, the joy of the gospel, as Pope Francis says. Communicating his zeal for for the Christian life, for the message 
of Jesus Christ, which is a message of joy and of freedom, primarily. You know, I, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. There's something about that that's very attractive. And uh, so for a while now, I've been listening to this podcast, How to Live Like a Hobbit. And uh, in the most recent episode, Father Radrick was talking about adventure, um, being open to the, the call of adventure when it comes to knocking at your door. He invited his listeners to think about something that you've been dreaming of doing, you've been wanting to do. Consider what it is that's preventing you from doing it and you know, take steps to be, to be prepared, to be open, to respond to that call when it comes. And uh, I was thinking to myself, well, I, I don't really have anything. You know, I'm, I'm already sort of living, living the life that I want to live. Um, I'm responding to God's call, I believe, as best as I can in my seminary formation, here preparing, uh, preparing for uh, the vocation of the priesthood. But as I was listening to his podcast, I thought, ah, I would really like to make a podcast. <laughs> so I'm, I'm beginning that now. This semester at Mount Angel, I've <clears throat> I had the great blessing of not having any classes at nine o'clock in the morning. So I kind of blocked out that time in my schedule for exercise and recreation. Um, so every other day I go for a run, but on the off days I've been going for a little walk, well, just walking down the hill into the, the town. I can usually make it about to the village church, which is about a mile, and, and then make it back because, um, you know, I have a class at 10 o'clock, so I can't exceed the hour. I've got to be a little bit cautious with my time. But it's really a lovely way to start the day. Get out in the fresh air, in the rain especially, on a day like this. Uh, get moving. Helps me to focus when I return uh, to my studies or to my, my classes. So I decided it would be a perfect opportunity now to kind of fuse this new resolution, this, this, um, this new practice I'm undertaking at this nine o'clock hour with this new dream of having a podcast. Thus the name, The Morning Walk. Now what is this uh, podcast going to be about? Well, that's a rather more difficult question to answer. <laughs> I suppose um, in a broad sense, it will be certainly about Christianity in general, Catholicism in particular drawing from my own life as a Roman Catholic seminarian in preparation for the priesthood. More generally, um, it'll be about whatever I'm thinking about. <laughs> so really, this is like the perfect uh, conversation because you know, I can just speak about anything that comes to mind and I don't have to worry about boring my conversational partner because if you decide that ah, this really isn't worth my time, well, you can always just pause the podcast and go read a good book. <laughs> but if you're interested, you're very welcome to keep listening. So, I don't know if I'll be doing this every time I go out for a morning walk, but I'll try to do it uh, regularly, you know, as often as I'm, I'm able. I feel that I have something to talk about. I'll be posting it on my blog, inyourembrace.com, and it'll also be available on iTunes if I can figure out how to do that. So that's the introduction to the podcast. Now, um, 
those of you who are listening, I suspect most of you already know who I am. But by way of a brief introduction, uh, my name is Matthew. I'm a seminarian studying on behalf of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. Oregon is my home state. This is where I grew up, kind of my home country. And uh, by God's will, it seems this is the, the row in his vineyard he set aside for me to work in. So thanks be to God. Earlier in my discernment, I visited several religious communities. Um, I spent a week with the Dominicans down in Oakland, California. And I spent a longer amount of time with the Carmelites in San Jose, California. After having been in the seminary for a few years, I left. Um, I entered the postulancy with the Carmelites, received the holy habit of Our Lady, into the novitiate, in fact, but I did not profess my first vows. Um, received very, very good formation there. But after a time, it, it became clear to me in my prayer that God was calling me back, um, back to a, a mission here in Portland, to a particular mission for the salvation of souls and for His glory here in the state of Oregon. And so I can't tell you, you know, ever, ever since that time, um, I can't say I've consistently had this sense of missionary zeal. It hasn't always been like this bright fire burning in my heart. But that being said, um, you know, it hasn't always, hasn't always been so bright or so discernible, but the zeal has not left. You know, I have this strong sense of, of mission. This is, this is where I'm being called to serve God, here in this place and in this particular vocation. So thanks be to Him. All glory, all praise, and all thanksgiving be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. So I'm studying at Mount Angel Seminary within the diocese. Um, Mount Angel is a Benedictine Abbey, beautiful place. It's situated on top of a mountain, really, that's really more of a tall hill. <laughs> the hill is also called Mount Angel. And they named it the monks when they first arrived in 1882 after their mother house in Switzerland, which is called Engelberg, which means, you know, sort of like um, Mount Angel, uh, Mountain of the Angel in Swiss German. At the base of the mountain, which I'm now walking through, there's a little village. The village is also called Mount Angel, so it can be a little bit confusing to which one you might be referring. <laughs> the town, the mountain itself, the abbey, it's all Mount Angel. And this village is its really charming. Since I began taking these walks at the beginning of this semester, just a few weeks ago, I realized, you know, I've never spent much time here. Um, this is my fourth year studying at Mount Angel Seminary. It'll be my last year. So sometime soon I ought to be finding out where I'll go for theology. Um, in seminary formation, typically you do two or four years of, of philosophy, your sort of undergraduate work and preparation, and then you begin your, your four-year period of studies in theology after that. So I'm going to the end of my first four years, getting ready to begin the next four years. And uh, kind of waiting on, poised on the threshold, you know, waiting for the word of my bishop to tell me, go here, young man. <laughs> and having received that, I will, I will go. But for now, my lot is just to remain here, study, 
to do my last uh, few classes in philosophy, finish up my thesis project, and uh, continue waiting in holy expectation of what is to come. The topic that I had thought about speaking about today is one that came to me uh, a few weeks ago, and I, you know I've been meaning to write a blog post about it, and I think this will be. I think this will be part of the value of having a podcast, perhaps as well, is that I so rarely have time to sit down and really organize my thoughts and write as I would like to. I love to write, but um, what with writing my thesis at the moment, <laughs> reading for classes and, and homework and things, as well as ministry assignments and the other obligations of the seminary community, well, it can be really hard to find the time. So since I already have this hour blocked out for walking, this could be the sort of the perfect opportunity, I think, to express some of those thoughts um, audibly rather than, rather than uh, what would you say, it wouldn't be verbally. Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, you know what I mean. So this thought I've been thinking of writing about is specifically on the relationship between running and the spiritual life. And I, I think there is a strong relationship there between those two. There's a couple of points um, that I want to draw out. And these have occurred to me over the past couple of weeks as, as I've been running again. I used to run quite a lot. My first year in seminary, I was, was training for a marathon. I would run nearly every day. The problem is, uh, well, I was just running. I wasn't, I wasn't doing any stretches. You know, I didn't have a coach. Uh, I wasn't running with anybody to give me any tips on my form. And so rather quickly, I ended up injuring myself. Uh, I hurt my knees and that kind of, you know, it's gotten better, but it's continued with me for the years since. Good morning. Hello. Now, however, I'm trying to get started running regularly again. And, um, oh, there's the bells. There's the bells of St. Mary's, the local parish here in Mount Angel. Good morning. So uh, those bells are indicating to me it's 9.30 in the morning, which means it's time to circle around and make my way back up to the Abbey to be in time for my moral philosophy class. Anyway, as I'm getting started uh, running regularly again, one thing that's been coming to mind a lot is, is the virtue of perseverance. There's a quote I love from St. Jose Maria Escriva, and uh, he can be a bit, <clears throat> a bit of a hard hitter. He's a good spiritual director, I think, for that reason. That, uh, you know, in his writings, he doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. He just tells you how it is. So, this one quote I love, I always return to it. In it, he says, he says, Persevere? No. Estovere. Which in Latin means, uh, be a man. <laughs> Estovere. I love that. But part of, part of estoteviri, part of being man, is, is perseverance. And, not, and obviously not just for men, but for all of us living the Christian life. Part of our 
part of our Christian life, our growth in virtue, our following Christ. Christ himself says, he who wishes to follow me must abnegate himself, right? Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's the virtue of perseverance. Not turning back until you've reached the goal. Another saint I love, Saint Teresa of Jesus, uh, our Holy Mother, as the Carmelites say, the founder of the Discalced Order of Carmelites. She writes in one of her, I believe her autobiography, she says, all we need is a very little determination, una determinacioncita, a little determination. Or she says later, una determinación muy determinada, very determined determination to reach our goal and not to give up, not to stop. No matter what may happen along the way, no matter what dangers you may face, even though you may die in the attempt, not to turn back and not to stop. That's a philosophy I try to apply to running as well, (laughs) incidentally. I always tell myself when I'm I'm out for a run, you know, it doesn't matter if I slow down, okay? I can go slow. I can slow to a jog if if I'm out of breath or my knees hurting me, you know, I can take slower, more deliberate stride, um, try to stretch out my leg, but not to stop. And, you know, in the physical realm, um, you can't apply that absolutely. <laughs> perhaps, uh, perhaps you hurt yourself, you really do need to stop. That's okay. Perhaps you feel like you're going to throw up. You know, <laughs> overexerting yourself so much. Let me tell you, I've been there. Okay, well, perhaps you do need to stop then and recollect yourself, so, so to speak. And in the spiritual life too, there may be emergencies, there may be times when you do need to, you need to just stop. It's like, it's like going on a retreat, huh? Go on a retreat. You need to get away, take time, recollect, you know, recoup, recoup your energy. Uh, but that's not what I would consider stopping. You know, there's stopping and then there's, then there's stopping, right? You can take a break. But the key thing is not to give up. And especially not to turn back. Perseverance. That's one lesson we can learn from running and apply to the spiritual life. Or learn from the spiritual life and apply to running. <laughs> they're, they're, they're equally applicable to one another. That's one. Another one that I've been reflecting on is um, in running, as in really any physical pursuit or any, any pursuit at all in which we're striving for excellence, you know. Now for a run, I'm, I'm often thinking, okay, I've got to beat my time, you know. How am I going need to get this done uh, 10 seconds faster than last time I did? 10, ten, ten fewer seconds per mile. I've got to run a bit further. Than, you know, than the last time I was out. But whenever we're aiming for excellence, we're bound to come up against our own limitations. We might say in the spiritual life, our own imperfections, our vices, you know, our habits of sin, as well as just our yeah, interior weaknesses. Uh, the wounds of our hearts. 
They prevent us from doing the good, from being who we long to be and who God has created us to be. So there's this give and take, there's this tension between striving for excellence, striving, we might even say, for perfection, and yet the inability, because of our human frailty, to surpass the limitations inherent to our nature. And this can be discouraging, you know. I found very often in the spiritual life, myself um, falling into discouragement because I have a high ideal and I see myself as being very far from it. I had a spiritual director once who told me, he said, Matthew, you have very high expectations for yourself and for others. <laughs> I said, yeah, Father, you're right. <laughs> he said, well, that can be a good thing. Don't lose that. But your high expectations need to be coupled with mercy. And you need to have mercy on yourself if you're going to be a bearer of the mercy of the Father to others. It's very good advice. <laughs> it's advice that I still often fail to put into practice. But when you're running, if you're going to persevere, you have to have mercy on yourself. In other words, let me put it this way. Um, if I'm going to start out running at a pace of about seven and a half minutes a mile, that come tearing down the hill, yeah, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going for it. Well, by the time I get into town, I better have slowed down my pace or my heart's going to explode. <laughs> you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a great athlete by any means. And what I can do when running downhill, when all the conditions are in my favor, I can't keep up when I'm running uphill or even on level terrain. And that's no cause for despair. But it does mean it's necessary for me to face the fact of my human frailty, of my weakness. I can't try to push myself. And as I keep running, as I persevere, keep doing it day after day and week after week, I'm naturally going to get stronger. What was impossible for me at the beginning will become easy much further down the line. But the first thing has to come first. The perseverance has to precede the perfection. I mean, we can't make the perfect, as somebody says, I don't know who this quote is from, <laughs> we can't make the perfect the enemy of the good. I've circled around through the town now and I'm making my way back uphill, back up to the abbey. The rain has not abated. <laughs> it's continuing on about the same rate as before. It's this gentle drizzle is constant, uh, constant falling of the rain. There's something very peaceful in it. The third lesson I think we can learn from running and this, is, this one is perhaps not as obvious as the other two, and it may not be quite as universal. It might, it might just be me. <laughs> one thing that I've noticed, though, is I go out for a run sometimes, and I'll be kind of in, you know, in my own head, um, be thinking about something, or perhaps listening to my music or an audiobook, and then I'll pass somebody going the other direction, or they'll pass me <laughs> going the same direction. 
And all of a sudden, uh, I've kind of broken out of my inner state, and I'm thinking about this other person, especially if it's one of my seminarian brothers who's just surpassed me. I'm thinking, gosh, this guy is so much faster than I am. Ah, why am I even out here? I just make a fool of myself <laughs> out here going along at, you know, perhaps 10 minutes a mile or something, coming to the end of my run. Well, one lesson I think we can learn from this kind of experience, which can be applied to the whole of the Christian life, which needs to be, which really needs to illuminate and uh, inspire all of our interactions as Christians, is this sense of giving glory to God for the gifts which he has not given to me. Giving glory to God, in other words, for the, the diversity of his gifts, the gifts he's given to my brother, which I do not have. <laughs> and this, I think, is the best antidote for jealousy. This is the best remedy for those kind of interior tensions which we might never give voice to, or speak about, or express directly, but which nonetheless work to undermine our relationships, which poison our love. One, one saying that we have in the seminary is that the seminary is a school of love, you know, first and foremost. We're here to learn how to love. That's the whole point of the Christian life, in fact. Our life on earth is a school of love, and it's preparing us for heaven, for eternity, where, as St. John of the Cross says, at the end of our life, we will be judged on love. A la tarde de la vida, te examinarán en el amor. Not on how much you know about St. Thomas Aquinas, not on your expertise in moral philosophy. I remind myself as I'm making my way back up the hill from my moral philosophy class. <laughs> no. The essential thing will be how we have loved. How we have loved God and how we have loved one another. So I've been making a practice of this just this morning as I was in the chapel. You know, when you're in chapel, you're in community prayer. Very often, um, the little idiosyncrasies of your brothers can just drive you absolutely crazy. I <laughs> think this is an aspect of, you know, we talk about grace working on nature. This is an aspect of the enemy of our souls, the devil, working on our human nature. Drawing out what would naturally annoy us and just magnifying it to such a great degree to try to prevent us from praying, distract us from God. So I'll be sitting there and I'll hear, you know, one brother sitting behind me saying all the responses so loudly with such a almost aggressive enthusiasm. Then another brother sitting a little ways down the row, belting out the hymn, completely off-key. Every note somehow is wrong, but it doesn't stop him from singing as loudly as he can. <laughs> then you've got the one who sighs noisily at inopportune times, or, you know, maybe he's, he's ruffling through the pages of his prayer book while the reading is being proclaimed. You know, it just goes on and on. There's any number of these little, little habits that can just drive you crazy. But I've been making a practice of interiorly, okay, you know, I've got my eyes closed, I'm not, hopefully, I pray, I'm not giving any outward sign of what's going on in the soul. <laughs> but interiorly, I have that first movement of, gosh, 
this guy, you know? And then as soon as I feel that, to immediately, as St. Ignatius of Loyola advises, agere contra, to go against, you know? Not to go with the current, but immediately do the opposite. So I had that first movement of my soul. You can't prevent that by your own will. That's just the force of habit, the force of nature. So I had that first movement. I'm like, ah, this guy, just hate that. Then immediately to turn around and by force of will to say to God, God, glory be to you for this brother of mine. And thank you. I'll think to myself, you know, I, I love this guy. And it, not to, it, it, it's not, it's not something false. It won't work if, if what you're doing is not true, you know? So I can't say to myself, God, thank you so much for giving me this person to turn the pages of his book so loudly while I'm trying to pray. <laughs> Perhaps as I advance to greater heights of sanctity, I'll be able to give thanks to God for that specifically. But instead, what I do is say, God, thank you for this brother. Thank you for this guy. I know he's a good man. He's done many things over the years, you know, to support me, to show me that, that he considers me his brother and that he loves me. God, I love him and I love you. Thank you for calling us here together to form this community in which all of our gifts, the graces you give to us, complement one another like the colors in a, in a painting or like all the bricks bored in a great building. Together we are building up the body of Christ. So those are just a few miscellaneous thoughts. I uh, pray, if you've listened to this all the way through, that you've been entertained, and perhaps, because God is so good and makes use even of the little, little things that we do and say for His glory, perhaps even edified, if so, it's not because of me, but because of him who uses all things in his providence for good. In the future, um, well, who knows? <laughs> I don't know what the next episodes of this podcast might bring, or even if I'll continue. But if you like this, please make sure to comment, send me an email, let me know. Especially if you want me to keep making it. And uh, with that, let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty and ever-living God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this wonderful day. We ask you send your Holy Spirit now into our hearts. Lord, you made our souls for yourself alone. You tell us you do not desire to dwell in a tabernacle made of gold, but in the tabernacle of the human heart, which you yourself fashioned as your dwelling place. By your Spirit, Lord, grant that we may open the doors, that we may let down our guard and permit you to enter the Holy of Holies, the deepest recesses of our souls, for you to make your home there, Lord, choose whichever room you desire in my heart. Even if it be that one where I keep the door locked and I stuff away all the things I'd prefer you not to see. 
Lord, may your will be done. And as you come to make your home in me, grant, Lord, I beg you, that I may decrease and you may increase. May your spirit fill me, consume me, that all those who see me and hear me may not encounter me, Lord, but you in me, that you may be all in all, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you.